0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Marketing for the Uninhibited podcast, episode number one hundred and forty. I'm here today with a very special guest, my very own fiance, Marshall, is here. And Marshall is a sales expert. For those of you that don't know, so Marshall, welcome to the podcast. Thank Hello. you for being here. Thank you. Um, what? How much did? How much money did you sell? How much? Yeah.
1: What? Uh, just under one million one hundred thousand dollars.
0: Worth of Tile. Worth of Tile. In 2021. And Marshall right. actually won an award. And what's your ranking with your company?
1: Um, I kind of slide anywhere between, you know, number 20 and number 10.
0: In the country. And
1: Yeah, out of about 1,200 people.
0: Yeah, for sales. And so Marshall's here today to talk to us about, well, first we're going to share a recent sales interaction that we had when we were shopping for a couch. And then I want to lead that into a conversation about asking for the sale and um, like following up and like the mindset around that. So first let's tell you about our couch interaction. So Marshall and I are in the process of looking for a couch for our back done, which you know is getting redone because of fire damage. And so we had a budget in mind for our couch. We went to a few different stores. We sat on a lot of couches. We were undecided. So we went to one more store. And first of all, Marshall just checked it out one day. And then he came home and he was like, wow, this sales lady is great. Right? You, what yeah. did you like about her?
1: Um, I mean, just she was direct. She was on top of all the questions I had. She was waiting at the door for me when I got there. Um, you know, it's just all the things that, you know, attentive, just... And, you know, she was confident, which I think uh, was most important.
0: Right. So with Marshall and I being in the jobs that we are, we're pretty critical of other salespeople, I would say. Definitely. We can kind of pick them apart. Um, And so he made an appointment then for he and I to go back the next day and meet with this woman. And again, when we arrived, this was my first time meeting her. She was waiting at the door. She had three full quotes prepared, full, like, estimates, like, checkout ready. Like she could have taken any any of those to the register at any time and checked us out. Um, and each one was at a different price point. And so my guess is she had prepared, and she did, she had prepared also like visuals for us, like the mm-hmm. mockups of the couch in our room. And she had also prepared her sales pitch at each level, and she'd done our homework. so like any question we had about any of the couches she sh- showed us, she was able to answer. But what was so interesting about this for me is that, you know, of course, when she showed us this one couch, it's like the Cadillac of couches. It was $10,000. She did not bat an eyelash. She, like, right? She just delivered the... Right. She just delivered it. And she, it was not, whether or not in her mind she thought that was an expensive couch, what I appreciated about that moment was that she assumed that we would spend ten thousand dollars on a couch. right. And,
1: and it's almost and it Fed felt like she had done it many, many times.
0: Yeah, she was so good at her job that Marshall went to the car, he got our tile sample for our floor. I'm in there picking out like the eleven custom throw pillow fabrics for this Cadillac ten thousand dollars couch. And we were ready to go. Like, we were right, and she she was working with us on, like, you can put half down up front, you can do this, you'll get a discount if you do this. Um, I mean, so she just assumed the sale the whole time.
1: Yeah, uh, it reminded me of a quote that, um, you know, my dad used to say to me, which had nothing to do with sales, but now I totally kind of bring it over to that, where, um, uh, so Walter Payton, when he was on the Bears, used to, you know, he was not a fan of touchdown dances and things like that uh, mm-hmm. that you see so much of today. And he has, you know, when he, uh, you know, got a touchdown, he would just drop the ball and, you know, walk back to the huddle or whatever, you know, walk back to the bench. So, and he'd always say, you know, act like you've been there. Act and like you've been there before. Act like you've been there before. Um, and. You Know how it what, what he was saying at it Ford it has nothing to do with this, but I it's like such a big thing with sales, like it's all about your, you know, like like you had said, she was very confident about it as if she had sold a million ten thousand dollar couches. Maybe she they only sell one once a month, who knows? Mm-hmm. But I the point is, we wouldn't know because she was very confident in it, so it's like you just don't want to be the desperate salesman.
0: She made the idea of buying a $10,000 couch, knowing we have a dog, a huge dog, you know, that's one years old and a six year old, she made it seem like a no brainer, right. like this sales process was so smooth. She had all of her ducks in a row. She was able to answer all of our questions and we really didn't have a lot of objections because she sold it so well. And honestly, we really did love the couch. Um, it was a really nice couch. And so, but to our credit, we did say, you know what, we're going to sleep on this. Cause she did ask for the sale. She said, how do you want to pay for this?
1: Right. Which is a great line to use. Yes. Um, in general, no one goes to any store without, I mean, people window shop, but you should never assume that.
0: I mean, if you're, you're going to spend an hour in a store sitting mm. on couches, the salesperson needs to assume that you're there to spend some money.
1: Right. I mean, no one goes to a couch store or a tile store because they're not looking for tile or a couch. I mean, it's one thing to say they're looking around pricing or so on and so forth, but no one spends their their, you know, 2 hours after work or their day off, you know, wanting to do that. So like there is a sale in there somewhere.
0: Okay, so let's talk a little bit about mm-hmm. this sales process right and and real quick I just want to share another example so I was telling you when I worked at the restaurant the sommelier at the restaurant used to go out sometimes on his day off he would take his wife out to dinner and he would come back and he would share his lesson with the servers at the restaurant he would say you know last night I went out to dinner and I had four hundred dollars in my pocket like I was ready to drop some money on some nice wine he's a sommelier and some good quality food and then he he would ask the server you know what wine do you recommend or what pairs nicely with what meal we're about to eat. And if the server sold him, like he was able to share a backstory or his personal experience with one of the bottles of wine, um, no matter the price of the bottle, if it if he sold the sommelier while he was at dinner, he had no problem spending the money. He went there prepared to spend. And most often he would come home with, you know, two thirds of that money in his pocket because no one ever asked him to buy anything more expensive, and so that's what Marshall and I we were talking about like asking for the sale and i was i was this is a common mistake right in sales that when people are not performing in sales most often it's because they're not closing the deal they're not asking for the sale
1: right, so you know, I had a coworker that um or I have a coworker rather he's a great salesman he's we often joke he's more likable than anyone else that works there uh has been very patient and all that um has a lot of very loyal customers but you know he doesn't get past a a certain threshold of sales um even though he kind of checks all the boxes so kind of figured out it's because he's not asking for the sale and uh so fast forward a little bit we had a secret shopper come in and you know, of course, he got like a 98% or whatever it was. And the one point he missed was at the very end, he didn't just ask for the sale. You know, maybe he assumed they were buying samples or so on and so forth. And even if you know that, you, sh- you should be, you know, asking for the sale because you, you just have no idea.
0: So in your industry where you're selling these high ticket items, how do you overcome like your personal judgment of the price on the screen like when you write up a quote and it's like five to ten grand
1: yeah so price objection is easily the number one objection you're going to get with any sales um you know a line that i've kind of figured out a long time ago which i use uh might catch people off guard but you know if they have a price objection my um my first question is is price your only concern Yeah, Because what you're about to tell them is why what you have is better than what what they're looking at elsewhere. So, I mean, sometimes price is their objection. And when it's black and white, you know, it is what it is sometimes. But most of the time, people have other concerns. You know, they want... You know, they, you know, they want the nice clothes, but they don't want to pay for the fabric sort of deal. So, you know, before that even happens, you should be explaining the, the feature, not only the features of what you're selling, but how it benefits people. Which to me is like the second most common mistake next to not asking for the sale is not properly explaining why what you have or what you offer is more expensive and better than your competition so by
0: better you mean like the value it brings to them. or
1: quality i mean yeah. it, you know for me it's like why am i buying tile here for however much money like i can go to home depot and pay a third of the price well is price your, i mean is price your only concern no i like quality okay well then you can start a conversation open-ended questions no yes or no questions like those are things that will just tee you up to really give them the answers that they're looking for. So if you sell clothes, you could say, you know, my clothes have uh, better, you know, all, all the clothes I make, uh, the, the fabric is better than, you know, a big box store or a retail store.
0: Or like earrings. Like I have a client who right. we were talking yesterday about raising the price of their their earrings. And we were talking about how in this case, the customers are not only concerned about, the price of the earrings they're also concerned about the quality the fact that they're supporting local businesses the fact that they're handmade woman owned you know like all of these and if there's a problem they can reach out to the business owner directly they have you know great customer service like these are all factors in the decision making process for consumers
1: yeah and you know i think. Um, just along with that, uh, knowing the main difference between a feature of something that you sell and the benefit of it are two different things. I see it even in, um, you know, ads for very large companies, they, they, they make this mistake. It's, um, you know, you're, you're buying shoe. Oh, our shoes have, uh, the the shoes we make have a special sole in them that, you know, no one else makes and it's the best one. Okay, that's a feature, but mm-hmm. why does it benefit you? Mm-hmm. Well, it keeps you know keeps you from having you know you know issues with your arches or what you know whatever. You can really put this into any terms. If you sell clothes, why is this fabric better than you know we uh, our, the fabric we use is better, mm-hmm. um, and that benefits you because the clothes will last longer. Like you know putting spelling it out for people like that is very important. They they won't do that themselves. You know this tile won't crack. Or, you know, so on and so forth because you're not paying, you're paying $3 for it and the manufacturing is better versus $0.30. Cents.
0: They won't do it for themselves because consumers are lazy, most like pretty, aside from like my mom.
1: Yeah, and well, it's they don't always, research. yeah, and they don't always uh, do their homework. No. So, you know, it's a big deal with me and I swear no matter what you're selling, you can think of a feature but then also think of why it benefits those people. If they're buying local, why does it benefit them? Why do they care? Right. You know, explain that to them or explain why. You know, with, with uh, earrings, a big thing is like the quality of the metal. Some mm-hmm. people uh, have an allergy to that and it'll tarnish the metal or turn it green. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're using a better product. Well, explain that to them. You know, right. not, not just that it's better, but why and why does it matter to them?
0: Okay, so then once you've done that and you have a consumer like in your sales process who's at the checkout, like you're at the checkout mm-hmm. register, you have everything to go, but you haven't asked for the sale. Like what what does that mean and what do you have to tell yourself in your mind, especially if it's like a super high ticket um, estimate, like to overcome that yourself to be able to confidently sell that to them?
1: Um, you know, this is kind of where manifestation comes in, which I know is a, A a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a hot word right now, but (laughs) you know, it's, I, to be completely honest, I've sold everything I've sold when I'm in the shower that morning, you know, like, and I know that sounds silly, but you know, I pump myself up. I, you know, when those people walk in, I already know I've sold them and it's just in that alone they can read that on me as confidence and it makes for a better a better sales experience. You because know because
0: you're not desperate for the sale.
1: Yeah, there's nothing worse than a desperate salesman. We've all experienced one. And mm-hmm. what people like is a confident salesman who values their time. I do not waste my time with people and they 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 know that I'm busy. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I don't pretend to be available all the time you know, again, you know, exclusivity of your time is just as important of exclusivity of your product,
0: mm-hmm. you know?
1: So it's just very interesting that, you know, people can smell that, you know, and they, they don't like it. They will respect you for respecting yourself. And that all comes, that all comes down to asking for the sale. At the end of the day, you know, when you get to that point, you've explained how much it is, blah, 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 say the number and just look at them like you've done it a million times. And you don't know if they can afford it or not. And it doesn't matter. That's... It's not your... It's decision. only your business. Mm-mm. And, you know, they might have rolled up in a Cadillac and are broke. Or they might have rolled up in a, you know, Geo Metro or whatever. And... and But, you know... <laughs> Geo
0: Metro? Oh, uh, yeah, what my grandma used to have.
1: But, you know, they might have a million sitting in the bank. And they're like, I hate buying cars. That's why. You know? Like, you don't know. So, do... So, I, what
0: you're saying is you can't judge your client.
1: I don't. And... I, I don't even bat an eye. I have the largest sale I've ever sold. I, I, I read it off like it was, you know, two ninety nine. You know, it's just, and then I just was like, and then I just stared at him. Essentially, I know that sounds weird, but you
0: give them space to think.
1: Yes, the if you say uh, it's five thousand dollars, we ready to do this. You know, you can insert your card right here and you just stare at them. If you say anything before they do, you've you've potentially lost the sale. You know, because you're already showing that you're nervous that they're not going to say yes or that you're trying to justify the price that you just gave or whatever the reason is that you decided to talk. You know, you just let them know what it is and you wait for them to respond because you're a busy person.
0: And you assume until the until they tell you otherwise that they're buying it.
1: Right. And if then then there's other, you know, if you get into the haggling phase then that's fine, but you've at least, you've put the ball in their court and you're just standing there waiting Mm -hmm. for them to dribble. So, you know, that's like, to me, that's so important. And that I've seen it on paper, you know, someone who has sold, who has dealt with the exact same amount of customers as mine, yet, you know, they may have sold $20,000 and I'm at a hundred, you know, and that's just, and it comes down to, you can really decide someone's future as far as whether they're going to buy or not. You can, you may not think that you have the power to do that, but once you realize you do, then you know the sky's the limit.
0: So when, um, you, well, you know, I work with small business owners and entrepreneurs, and so we're talking like when you, the, the moment that you're wavering on your belief of whether or not your client is going to buy is the moment you've lost your sale, I think. Like right. you've already made that decision because now you're second-guessing yourself. You're second-guessing your price. You're second-guessing your product. You're second-guessing your relationship with that client and if they want to tell you no they will tell you no right these are adults here and so when you doubt it or you worry about whether or not they can afford it you're saying that you don't trust them to make the best decision for them and their business at that time or maybe not their business that's my case but like for them in their their life or their wallet
1: right in that moment. And some people pretend to have sticker shock cuz they're not dumb. You know, like
0: Because they want to haggle.
1: Yeah, you know, and then that's fine, but that's when you know that oh, that's pretty steep. And then you're like, yeah. It is. <laughs> you know. And
0: here's why. <laughs> I remember all the things right. we talked about? Yeah,
1: they you know, they 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 want you to bend to that, you know, and they're they're trying to they're trying to uh, you know, alley-oop you to be like, "Oh, well, I mean, this is what I could d- really do for you." You know, it's just like that's the price, man. You know, and you know there's many reasons why. And you can start, you know, rattling them off if you want, or you know, you can just sit there and, and and wait for the answer.
0: Correct. And when you do that, it puts the responsibility back on them. Like, so I've had people come back to me and say, "Wow, I'd really love to work with you." That. But that price is not going to work for my budget right now. So now I have an opportunity to say, okay, well, you know, let me know when things change. Or depending on the situation, if I want to offer a discount or a one-time yeah. thing, you know, then then you can enter into that. But you you just really have to give them time to come back to you without making any judgments or assumptions during that time.
1: Right. I haggle and discount and stuff all the time but that doesn't mean that I started that way or like you know that the sale started that way they started full price so every single time
0: all right to wrap it up here because this has been really helpful i think with all of this like what are some ways people if if some of these um, product makers and service based entrepreneurs when they're increasing their prices and they go to sell it to their customers who may not have seen a price like this from them before How do you, like, what are some ways they can boost their confidence Um, in that process?
1: You know, I kind of already said it with the features and benefits thing. So, like,
0: make a list of the features and benefits. Why is it valuable for your customer?
1: Right. Know your product inside out. Know every step of, you know, the manufacturing and how it compares to your competitor. And be able to confidently stand on that and be okay with someone walking away even though you've already explained that because you got to just have faith in yourself and your product. And if you, if you do that, people will know they can read it off you. And then if you have, if you do a good job of explaining it as well, then you've justified everything that they've ob- objecting to. And at that point, you know, maybe they're going to buy, maybe not, but you know, you've done, you've done what you need to do. So it's just knowing, know, uh, knowing your product, be confident, Um, you know, don't bend over backwards for people with your time or your price, you know,
0: and be direct when it's time to buy and don't judge your customer.
1: Right. Yep. Be direct. Ask for the sale. Wait for them to respond. And just, and I, trust me, I am the, the, the king of just standing there awkwardly staring at someone waiting for them to give me a yes or no. And I have seen people give all sorts of physical signs that they are super uncomfortable right now with what's going on yet. Then they're like, all right, whatever. Yeah. You know, because it puts them in the position where they actually have to make the decision that yes. they need to make. They, these people need to make a decision what, no matter what they're buying. So, And if you give them an easy out, sometimes they went, They go home and they're like, man, I should have just bought that. But you, they probably were given a reason not to. They were probably like, well, why don't you sleep on it? Or yeah. why don't you mull it over? It's like, why? Right. You know, so, like you just gave them another day. Yes, and maybe they'll go. Maybe in that day they happen to stop in somewhere else. They're like, you know what? I found some, you know, different earrings or different clothes. You know, the, you know, the this will work and it's cheaper. I'll just buy this. And it's like you, they could have bought your stuff and you just didn't know.
0: Okay, and so the last thing I want to ask you is like, how many times have you rung somebody up and it's like multiple five figure purchase and you're thinking in your head like, holy shit, this is. A lot of money, and then they you tell them the total, and they're like, "Well, put it on the card."
1: Yeah, we call those um we call those ting ting orders. Ting ting. Yeah, because they get out the American Express that's made of metal. Oh. Yeah, and it's
0: ting ting. And it's just done, right? <laughs> yep. They don't even like you. In your head, are thinking, "Wow, this is a big purchase," and they don't even.
1: I would say the largest purchases I've had, all of them ended that way, where they they didn't say anything at all. You know, they it's just... it's the people that are. Coming in looking for something mediocre, and they've already found it at wherever else cheaper, and they're just coming in there because they already know you have a better product. They already know the version of it that they almost bought for cheaper, and they want to try to you know get get over get one over on you to get a better version for less. And it's like that's where you got to really stand your ground. So like, it's not it's ironically not the people spending a lot of money that you're going to have issues with. It's the you know. Correct. For a a nice word for bottom feeder, but...
0: (laughs) The bargain hunters. The bargain,
1: yeah, like, you know.
0: It's the same when you have a maker who hand makes a product and they want to know why the candle is $22, but they can go to Target and get the same size candle for $5. And it's like, well, yeah, if you want the cheaper candle, go to Target. If you want the handmade quality ingredients candle where you know where it's coming from, you know, like, that business owner then you're paying a premium price
1: yeah in that case i'd say my candles are made up of this this and that there's no maybe there's i don't know what's chemical up a free, yeah there's no yeah. yeah chemical free so on and so forth handmade it it'll last long it'll burn even you know
0: and if you have a problem with it you can speak to the person that made it
1: yeah you know, or a to... member
0: of her small team
1: exactly and you know that's that's what it's all about
0: okay so just I know I said that was the last thing, but like, what are some of your um, actual ask for the sale moments? Like when I say it, when I, in an email to customers, I say, "Give the details." And I think something we both do is we keep the options very simple. Like you've written up the proposal, so that's the option unless they want to modify. I only right. have two service offerings, and in an, a follow-up email for a consultation, I'm generally only offering one, the one that I think is the best fit, so that's a, a no-brainer as far as how to proceed, right? So then I just say, "Are you ready to move forward with whatever the service is?"
1: Correct. Yeah, I um, read off the price. Um, I tell them when it'll be ready, and then that's it. Right. I, I don't even necessarily, literally, ask them for the sale. I'll, you know, in those terms per se. I'll, you know, it five thousand dollars. We can have it to your house. Uh, can have it to your house next week. That sound good? you know and i'll just and then i'll does
0: that sound good yeah i'll
1: put the credit card machine right in front of them or you know it's some form of that you know it's probably different every time but it just depends on you know kind of how the conversation's moving a lot of times i'm you know more buddy buddy with my customers so you know i'll say something like that
0: does that sound good um are we going to do this are you ready to move forward
1: so you know so let's do that Do you have any Um, other
0: questions
1: Right. You know, it's just however you, it's just the assumptive sale Mm -hmm. is is what it's all about. And however you phrase it, as long as you don't, you know, trip over yourself when you're talking, it's fine. Um, I I don't think it necessarily matters how you phrase it, more or less that you are asking for the sale. You know, each conversation has its own kind of rhythm and stuff. So,
0: and getting them to quote, check out is part of the sale, asking for the sale
1: process. Yeah. And even within that, I, you know, my, my strategy is like kind of top down selling when they get that final price, it includes anything and everything that they might need for this. Um, you know, in my world, it's, you know, they need accessories and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. It's all on there and I read it off real quick and then I give them the price and that's it. I don't type in one thing and say, so here's, you know, the grout and you know I'm going to tell you all about that and then I'll type in the next thing. Here's mm-hmm. the thinset. Here's the towel. It's It's all on there. Uh, they probably have no idea what half of it means, and that's okay because no one does. And and they can ask. Yeah, I mean, and they can they ask, ask, and then they, you know, they don't want to spend any more time than you do in there. You know, that that time at the register, or you know, you know, that's more literal. But you know, you have that in your emails, or if you're on the phone with someone, you know, that time when you have to ask for the sale, keep it short and fast. You don't want to tiptoe around it. You know, people get uh, kind of like. Register fatigue, as mm-hmm. I call it. You know, they're you know that, that high that they have when they're going through all the fun parts of what you're selling them and so on and so forth, that goes away when they're standing at a register or on the phone with you talking about pricing for 30 minutes. Correct. Have it ready to go.
0: Keep it simple. Yeah,
1: blurt it out and tell
0: them how to move forward.
1: Right, and get them on their way.
0: Yeah, and then that's it. And so a lot of this is coming down to your own confidence and mindset. So your exercise for today, if you want to um, do a little exercise to work on this stuff, is one, and I suggested this to a client last night who is having some confidence issues around the services that she's offering and the prices that she's charging. I suggested that she makes a list of all of her features and her benefits of what she offers and also what sets her apart in her industry that is A strength like something she does different differently in her coaching style that sets her apart and maybe she's a little insecure with it because it's not a common thing but it's actually a strength and it's something people will gravitate to her toward or for because it's it's different right and then the other thing I suggested once she did that I suggested reaching out to like three to five of her close trusted contacts to ask you know like why do you think people would want to pay me like you have to be able to answer the question why should people pay me because if you can't confidently answer that then you're not going to be able to sell your product or your service because you have to be able to articulate why the features the benefits what sets you apart your strengths the results and being able to demonstrate that to your customers is what's going to attract the right customer to you and make the sale easy
1: right uh, is there
0: anything else you want to say?
1: Well, just knowing about your product is easy. Like everyone knows the base level of what you know what they're selling and why they like it. But put it into their world, like you kind of just said with the benefits, and mm-hmm. we talked about earlier. Uh, you know, part of that uh, homework. You know, you really should write all that stuff down. Mm-hmm. You know, write each feature, then three benefits underneath. So you can, like, you have to be able to relate it to them. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, that's the most important thing.
0: Right. And I think the the key factor here is like it keeps going back to how does it benefit them? How does it relate to them? Right. That's what selling is about. Whatever you have, relating it back to your customer and how it will improve their life. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for being here, Marshall. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that was fun. We've never done a podcast before. I know.
1: I know. It's it's only like three years late.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. No problem. Have a great afternoon, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.